0: Welcome to Furniture Industry News, the go-to podcast for all professionals in the furniture sector who are keen to stay abreast of the latest developments and industry insights. Every episode brings you carefully curated news stories that affect your business, providing understanding, analysis, and clarity in a complex and dynamic industry. Today, we delve deep into a range of topics that hold significant implications for the bedding and furniture markets, We will assess the operational revisions and reported losses from Leggett and Platt and consider the ramifications of these shifts on the broader industry landscape. As tariff tensions heighten, we will explore the potentially increasing duties on Canadian lumber and how this could influence U.S. housing affordability. The global supply chain continues to grapple with logistical challenges, and our conversation will lead us through the winding paths companies might take towards nearshoring to mitigate disruptors, We'll also tune into the evolving role of the sales representative in our current market, essential insights for anyone engaging directly with buyers. A portion of our discussion is dedicated to examining the wow factor in designing furniture, inspired by thoughts from Mark Phillips of the Phillips Collection. And as the wheels of production begin to turn away from China, we consider how logistic executives are overhauling their strategies and what new frontiers are being considered for investment. Moreover, we will review the economic pressures faced by industry giant Tempur Sealy International and scrutinize the latest acquisition pressures at Kohl's, interpreting the consequences these moves could have across the retail domain. Stay with us as we dissect these stories through a lens of expertise and experience, ensuring you are not just following the trends, but are also ahead of the curve in the furniture industry. For Leggett and Platt, the past fiscal year has proven turbulent with financial reports signaling a stark contrast to the company's performance in previous years. When the books were closed on December 31st, the story they told was one not of gains, but of significant losses. The net fallout, a staggering $138.6 million loss, which marks a dramatic swing from the $309.9 million profit reported in the preceding year. A closer look reveals an 8% drop in sales— down to $4.7 billion from the prior year's $5.1 billion mark. The final quarter exemplified the year's difficulties, with sales diminishing 7% to $1.12 billion compared to $1.2 billion in the counterpart period. The quarter's figures culminated in a loss of $297.4 million, a far cry from the net income of $52.8 million Leggett and Platt posted just one year prior. In addressing these headwinds, particularly those assailing the bedding and home furnishing segments, the company last month unveiled a cost-cutting initiative with plans to close 15 to 20 factories, a move mainly affecting the bedding products segment. Within the bedding sector, the downturn is evident with a 14% sales decline to $448 million, down from $522 million in the last year's fourth quarter. Annual sales further illuminate the company's plight, revealing a 17% drop to $2 billion from the high watermark of $2.36 billion set in the preceding year. In furniture, flooring, and textiles, a parallel narrative unfolds, with sales weakening in the fourth quarter by 6% and a full-year dip of 11% to $1.5 billion when matched against the $1.7 billion brought in the year before. Seeking to pivot from these challenges, Leggett's specialized products segment flickers a light of optimism with a 5% increase in fourth quarter sales, alongside an encouraging 14% surge over the full year. President and CEO Mitch Dolloff outlines Leggett's proactive stance, aiming to forge a leaner and more agile organization. Through a refined operation model and tailored products, the goal is one of rejuvenation focused on product growth, profitability, and shareholder value a balancing act of conservative financial management paired with strategic investment and maintaining a healthy dividend record. With an eye towards 2024, Leggett's guidance is cautious, factoring in tepid consumer demand. Sales projections land between $4.35 billion and $4.65 billion, bracketing a potential 2% to 8% decrease from this year's figures. Specific sectors like bedding and furniture, flooring, and textiles are prepped for single-digit sales contractions, while earnings per share are expected to hover between $0.95 to $1.25. In the words of Dalif, our 2024 guidance reflects continued soft residential and market demand, underscoring the commitment to operational efficiency and a rigorous restructuring plan designed to navigate the turbulence and set the stage for future success. Moving on to a topic that hits close to home for many, we delve into the escalating trade tensions between the United States and Canada over lumber import duties. In the latest development, the U.S. Department of Commerce, in its preliminary annual review, proposed a noteworthy hike in duties on Canadian softwood lumber imports, pushing them from the current 8% to approximately 14%. While this increase is still awaiting final determination this coming summer, it has already stirred a variety of responses across the industry. American producers from the U.S. Lumber Coalition welcome this move, pointing to long-held grievances over what they describe as unfair trade practices and subsidies enjoyed by their Canadian counterparts. Andrew Miller of Stimson Lumber emphasizes the importance of such duties to offset these injustices, thereby helping to level the playing field for U.S. businesses. However, the National Association of Home Builders presents a starkly contrasting view signaling alarm over the potential effects on housing affordability. With the specter of tariffs acting like a tax on American builders and ultimately on home buyers, the association implores the Biden administration to reconsider these tariffs, calling for suspension and a renewed bilateral agreement to fully eliminate such duties. Meanwhile, the reaction north of the border is predictably one of dissatisfaction, Canada's international trade minister, Mary Ong, rebukes these duties as unjust and damaging, highlighting the detriment to both Canadian producers and American consumers, especially in the context of an already strained housing affordability landscape. This issue embodies the intricate interplay between trade policies and market dynamics, and its implications extend well beyond immediate business interests. The potential near-doubling of lumber duties embodies critical challenges— It raises questions about international collaboration, the state of free trade, and the vital concern of making housing accessible for lower- and middle-income Americans. As industry stakeholders, we are all too familiar with the ripple effect that such decisions can have on production costs, consumer prices, and ultimately the health of the furniture and broader housing markets. As this trade dispute awaits a resolution, it is imperative for industry leaders to stay informed, to prepare for various scenarios— and to advocate for policies that will sustain both the competitive spirit and the well-being of customers who rely on us. Whether these proposed duties will solidify into firm policy remains to be seen. One thing is clear, the outcomes will be consequential, influencing strategies from manufacturing to market and reigniting the debate over the critical balance between protecting domestic industries and preserving affordable housing. The shifting sands of global logistics continue to nudge furniture industry professionals towards a crossroads, steering them to weigh the merits of relocating production closer to home, a concept known as near-shoring. As we dig deeper into this phenomenon, we find the furniture industry's reliance on Asian manufacturing wavering in the face of persistently disruptive container pricing and geopolitical strife. The landscape of logistics that once spurred a mass exodus towards the cost-friendly manufacturing hubs of Asia is now, rather ironically, the same force prompting a U-turn. Recall the days when shortages in container availability during the pandemic drove spot rates to astronomical figures, peaking over $20,000 per container. The initial relief felt when these prices plummeted to $10,000 or below was palpable across the industry. And yet, as we have observed all too well, Low container rates were fleeting, perhaps best described as a desert mirage than a sustainable reality. The pendulum of shipping costs swings widely, influenced by the shipping companies that masterfully adjust capacity, effectively causing a spike in container costs without a moment's notice. The current situation is complex, with disruptions due to geopolitical events shaping a new narrative. Conflicts in the Middle East and low water levels in the Panama Canal are constraining global capacity and forcing diversions, pushing container rates from Asia to the east and west coasts of the United States to jump once again. While these price hikes are undoubtedly significant, context is key. They ascend from a low base point, rates that fostered a sense of comfort amongst industry players. But prudence dictates that such comfort is short-lived. The timing of these changes is pivotal, As the industry anticipates the onset of the spring market season, which could signal further rate escalations. Demand, in its temperamental nature, will likely influence shipping costs. But relying on demand's ebb and flow hardly constitutes a resilient strategy. The recent unrest in the Middle East, which we all hope concludes swiftly and peacefully, will also decisively impact shipping routes and costs. Logistics aside, businesses within our industry must devise strategies to cushion the aftershocks of these global upheavals. To nearshore or not to nearshore? That is the question posed to executives, with the answer hinging largely on company-specific considerations and consumer expectations. But amid this quandary, one lesson stands paramount from our experiences. A diversified supply chain isn't just an operational preference. It's fast becoming an imperative necessity. Given this backdrop, we cannot help but spotlight the renewed interest in nearshoring. Are we witnessing a paradigm shift? Is the era of overwhelming reliance on transcontinental shipping drawing to an end? Only time will tell. But what remains clear is that the furniture industry is at the precipice of potentially transformative changes, underscoring the need for agility and foresight in an ever-evolving market landscape. The landscape of the furniture industry is ever-evolving, and with it, so too must the role of the independent sales representative adapt. This was the core of the conversation with John Pinion, the chairman of the International Home Furnishings Representatives Association. Pinion's tenure in the industry, which spans back to his formative years following his father on sales trips, gives him a unique perspective on the seismic shifts that have occurred since then particularly pertaining to the needs of the retailers and the adaptability of reps. Retailers' demands are changing in this digital era, presenting both challenges and opportunities for sales reps. With the proliferation of online platforms, sales reps today need to be tech-savvy, utilizing CRM systems, virtual showrooms, and social media to stay connected with clients and manage accounts effectively. The pandemic has only accelerated this shift as reps had to pivot quickly to remote selling, requiring a rapid upskill in technology to continue conducting business in a contactless world. Pinion underscores the importance of embracing new technology as it continues to develop and become more integral in the buying and selling process. Reps must be able to present products virtually, sometimes using augmented reality to help their customers visualize products in their intended space. This shift not only involves mastering new software, but also involves understanding how to translate the tactile experience of furniture shopping into a digital environment, a nuanced skill for any sales professional. Training has also taken a spotlight in this new era. With fewer opportunities for in-person mentorship, experienced reps like Pinion are tasked with guiding new salespeople through digital channels. This adjustment involves not just the transfer of product knowledge— but the cultivation of customer relationships and negotiation skills in an increasingly online marketplace. Pinion furthermore reflects on the rise of e-commerce and how it's transformed consumer behavior. Sales reps, he argues, must facilitate a seamless blend between physical and digital shopping experiences for their clients, helping them to navigate and integrate e-commerce solutions that complement traditional retail models. Ultimately, Pinion's message is clear the independent sales rep's role remains critical in helping retailers grow and navigate these uncertain times. As the landscape of retail continues to shift beneath our feet, the independent sales rep becomes not just a liaison between manufacturers and their retail partners, but a vital resource for navigating the tides of change in an industry that continues to be as dynamic as the designs it creates. In a world where innovation meets aesthetics, Mark Phillips, the president and CEO of the Phillips Collection, brought new insights into the art of furniture design in his recent appearance on the PBS program Side by Side with High Point University president Nito Kubain. Phillips, a stalwart figure in the design community, shared his philosophy on creating furniture that goes beyond mere functionality, furniture that elicits a reaction of wow from those who encounter it. What is it that sets the Phillips collection apart in a saturated market? According to Mark Phillips, it's about harnessing the inherent beauty nature offers and channeling that into artful contemporary designs. The quest for the wow factor in furniture design is a commitment to create pieces that strike a balance between organic allure and utilitarian value. This is about more than just furniture. It's about creating a narrative, an experience, with every piece. During the show, Kubain delved into the motivation behind Phillips' distinctive design approach. Crafting furniture side-by-side with nature is not just about form, but also function, a dialogue between man and the environment. The Phillips Collection's work is not done in isolation. It's a collaborative tribute to the splendor and unpredictability of the natural world. Mark Phillips emphasized the significance of environmental consciousness in his design process. This is a man who not only takes from nature to inspire his work, but gives back as well. He recounted a heartwarming initiative involving schoolchildren in Thailand and the local community where they planted 6,000 trees. Such endeavors root the Phillips collection to a core ethos of sustainability and gratitude towards our planet. In conversation with Kubain, Phillips conveyed a powerful message about the transformative power of personal connections. When you invest time to truly know someone or something— It unlocks a treasure trove of inspiration. This philosophy underpins his design process, feeding the creative soul of his company and reminding us all of the value of taking a moment to appreciate the surrounding beauty. For those eager to delve deeper into Phillips's vision of design, the full discussion is available on the PBS North Carolina website. His narrative is a testament to the impact that thoughtful, sustainable design can have on society, a blend of creative vision and environmental stewardship that defines the wow in designing furniture. In a revealing shift that marks the ongoing transformation within the global furniture market, a new survey has illuminated the decision-making horizons of logistics executives across the industry. According to the 2024 Agility Emerging Markets Logistics Index, over a third of logistics professionals, are strategically planning to shift their production or sourcing away from China within the next five years. This decisive pivot is not only a mere adjustment, but part of a larger supply chain overhaul, as 63% of those surveyed report their companies are distributing production to varied locations, relocating it closer to home markets or to neighboring countries. This is a significant trend that underlines the urgency with which businesses are seeking resilience and diversification in their supply chains. But what's driving this change? A compendium of factors are at play, including rising business difficulties in China, the longstanding trade war between the U.S. and China, rigorous anti-COVID policies, and China's economic slowdown. Professionals in the field are holding their breath and anticipating the consequences of a shift that could redefine relationships with the world's former manufacturing powerhouse. It's worth noting that the survey also reveals an intricate backdrop of strategic realignments, with 14% of respondents naming the complex business environment in China as their primary concern. Simultaneously, another 13% of logistics leaders cited the trade tensions, further complicated by public health policies and economic contraction concerns. About 45% of the respondents are expecting only a slight growth in China's GDP this year, with around 10% gearing up for a considerable decline. Interestingly, India is emerging as a prime beneficiary of this new dynamic. Approximately 60% of logistics industry respondents acknowledge India's importance to their investment strategies in the next decade. This outlook suggests that India may very well surpass China in attracting future business investments. Despite continuous top ranking in overall score, China's magnetic pull on global supply chain investments is witnessing a gradual but potential realignment. The industry is taking newfound interest in alternative regions, notably sub-Saharan Africa, with 62% of those surveyed sharing their intention to ramp up or initiate investments there. This is in stark contrast with the mere 7% who are reducing their stakes. On the westward front, businesses are eyeing domains closer to home. North America and Europe remain strategic pivots for some production and sourcing, reflecting a noteworthy quest for regionalization. This data isn't just numbers and percentages, it's a critical bellwether for how the furniture industry's supply chains could transform in both the near and distant futures. Executives are clearly indicating a desire to inflect away from a heavy reliance on China, aspiring for a more diverse and flexible network that can swiftly adapt to the ever-evolving geopolitical and economic landscapes. In conclusion, the findings of the 2024 Agility Emerging Markets Logistics Index are a testament to the changing tides of global investment strategies. As logistics executives navigate these tumultuous waters, the decisions made today will inevitably shape the furniture industry for years to come, laying the groundwork for a landscape that may look significantly different from the one we've known. In today's report, we turn our attention to the latest financial developments at Tempur-Sealy International, the world's largest manufacturer of mattresses and bedding. Despite its prominent standing in the industry, temper sealy has not been immune to the macroeconomic pressures that have rippled across the global economy. The company recently disclosed its year-end results, posting a net income of $368 million for the period ended December 31st. While at a glance, the figure suggests robust fiscal health, a closer comparison with the prior year's net income of $456 million reveals a significant drop of 19%. Such a decline in profitability underscores the challenges faced not only by Tempur-Sealy, but by the wider mattress industry as a whole. Turning to net sales, the picture appears relatively stable, with a marginal increase of 0.1% resulting in sales of $5 billion for the full year. However, this seemingly steady stream of revenue belies the turbulence underneath, as we observed in the fourth quarter figures. During this period, net sales dipped by 1.4% to $1.17 billion from the concurrent quarter the previous year. One of the most affected areas within Tempur-Sealy's portfolio is their North American operations, which saw a quarterly sales decrease of 4% to $895 million. The reasons behind this downturn come down to consumer behavior, which reflects a broader economic narrative of cautious spending amidst inflating costs and economic uncertainty. Within these figures, we observe a differentiation in performance between sales channels. While wholesale sales fell by 6% to $763 million, the direct to consumer segment bucked the trend with a marked 11% increase, signaling a growing consumer preference for direct engagements. Despite these frictions, Temper sealys international business managed to navigate the headwinds with more ease, posting an 8% year-on-year increase in the fourth quarter net sales. This highlights the stark contrasts in economic conditions faced across different markets. As we delve deeper into Temper sealys strategies to weather this storm, we learn of their proactive measures to amend credit agreements, securing sufficient liquidity to support ongoing operations, and the upcoming acquisition of Mattress Firm. This move also signals the company's strategic resolve to position itself favorably for future consolidation and growth within the industry. CEO Scott Thompson commented on the company's resilience and expressed confidence that Tempur-Sealy will outperform the broader betting category. He attributed their ability to deliver solid financial results as a testament to Tempur-Sealy's competitive advantages, which include product innovation, manufacturing capabilities, and an omni-distribution platform. Looking ahead, the company has set guidance reflecting cautious optimism. For the year, Temper Sealy projects an adjusted earnings per share of between $2.60 and $2.90, with anticipated low- to mid-single-digit growth in sales. In conclusion, while the economic environs remain challenging, the company remains hopeful that the groundwork laid down today will solidify Temper Sealy's leading position and drive future success once the market moves back towards growth. The industry giant's commitment to maintaining steadiness through strategic investments, restructuring, and efficiency improvements points towards a resilient approach in response to the ever-shifting landscape of the global economy. As we pivot to our next business development, it's essential to monitor the frequent shifts in ownership and management, particularly in companies influential enough to sway market direction. Today, We examine the evolving situation at Kohl's, a prominent department store chain, currently at the crossroads of shareholder influence and acquisition strategies. It's a distinct sense of deja vu as Kohl's encounters pressure from activist investors, pressing the company towards the potentiality of acquisition canvases. Vision One Management Partners, quite newly founded in 2022 by Harper and former Carl Icahn associate Courtney Mather, is pushing for change. The firm has set its sights on securing representation on Kohl's board, advocating for the retail titan to open its doors to the possibility of acquisition bids. Historically, this isn't a novel scenario for Kohl's. Rewind to the early parts of 2022, the company faced a similar call to action. A cohort of dissenting investors was adamant that Kohl's should entertain takeover bids, They aggressively sought to shake up the existing board and leadership, which culminated in an acquisition fervor that eventually waned due to a bidder's inability to finalize financing. Miami-based Vision One, fresh from its founding year and active shareholder engagement style, manages mid-cap equities, overseeing approximately $128 million in assets as of May 2023. Their intervention led to a tangible change within Kohl's framework with Tom Kingsbury joining the board. Following CEO Michelle Gass's departure, Kingsbury, who holds experience as former Burlington Stores CEO, rose to helm the company, cementing his position as permanent CEO by February 2023. Kohl's has maintained a silence over the unfolding campaign for privatization, but this phenomenon isn't confined to Kohl's alone. Macy's Incorporated is navigating potential acquisition proposals recently declining a $5.8 million offer, indicative of a burgeoning trend between investors and established department store companies. And so we watch as Kohl's navigates these intensified pressures, should it heed the calls of Vision One or steer its independent course. The outcomes will undoubtedly ripple through the retail landscape, influencing strategy, stock prices, and market dynamics. As the narrative unfolds, it's clear that the role of activist investors in shaping the future of retailing giants exhibits an influential and possibly transformative power. We've reached the end of this episode of Furniture Industry News from furniturepodcast.com, where we've delved into the dynamics shaping our industry. From Leggett and Platt's significant restructuring to the roller coaster ride of U.S. Canadian lumber trade relationships, We've unpacked the challenges and changes afoot. We've also navigated the complex global supply chain landscape, discussing nearshoring's potential renaissance due to logistical upheaval, and evaluated the shifting investment outlook that is leading many to reconsider their ties to China. Furthermore, we've learned from John Pinion about the evolving role of independent sales reps, explored the wow factor in furniture design with Mark Phillips. And confronted the economic pressures that surround giants like Temper Sealy International. Finally, we discussed Cole's corporate drama and the continuous push and pull of market pressures that characterizes the retail sector. Each story underscores the fluidity and resilience required in the furniture industry amidst economic shifts, trade uncertainties, and the digital transformation. Our mission remains steadfast to equip you, the professionals steering the furniture industry with the latest, most relevant news. Knowledge is the foundation for innovation and growth, and we're here to ensure you stay informed and ahead of the curve. Thank you for joining us on Furniture Industry News, and we invite you to tune in for our next episode to stay updated on the vital developments in our field. Until next time, keep forging a path of excellence in furniture.